This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. <clears throat> Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the literary briefs edition. Val, there is an intro. I don't know why you keep doing this. It's going to be a Val special episode. <laughs> when I interrupt Erica, you know, I've talked to the other co-hosts. They're like, I'm like, what do you guys do when like Erica's like popping out questions? They're like, I sit quietly and wait for my turn. And is it I interrupt the fuck out of her every time. <laughs> oh, they know. They know. <laughs> they consider me the brave one. <laughs> that's not that's not what they consider you that's only to your face they have other words for you behind your back just kidding no they don't they love you okay uh, this is the literary briefs edition i am your host erica lance my co-host as you probably already been able to tell because she can't stop herself is valerie willis and our guest today is clary jones Woo! okay Let's talk about what we're drinking. Um, I have the very last of a gin and tonic with um, San Pellegrino Momenti, which is pomegranate and black currant. It's actually been very yummy. I'm just okay. curious, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> Anytime I've ever had one of those on the show, and you said that I'm drinking champagne. Apparently, it's whatever this is the 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 Marca Prosecco. It's the Costco Prosecco. I know exactly what that is. Yeah. I don't, I'm not good at pronouncing anything. <laughs> that is not accurate. You are good at pronouncing things, just apparently not alcoholic things. No, alcoholic foul, drunk foul. What, I, I don't know what words I'm using anymore. I'm just going to be silent. <laughs> Claire, what are you doing on your side of the planet? Um, I've got a few drops of pomegranate juice, but I'm mostly vaping over here because I'm a stoner. I, I, I appreciate that. Okay, so your first question is what is your favorite book of all time oh of all time another roadside attraction by tom robbins why it's a reverent it's sexy it's philosophical and it's like very tongue-in-cheek and i love his writing style very cool what is your least favorite book of all time oh man um do I have to have finished it or can I do like no, no. Okay, well, I'm just gonna go on a rant about this book that I don't Please. it's just awful. Um I'm trying to remember the name of it, but the author is Claire Legrand and she does a tr trilogy and it's something about queens. And she used so many different points of view for each of the chapters. Like she used like eight to ten different characters. For points of view for the chapters and like side characters characters who died characters who just like popped out of nowhere and then disappeared and were like never seen from again and I absolutely hated it and that was also on top of all of the trauma dumping that was going on in the book and the main character just could not handle anything and it was entirely frustrating I rage finished that book rage finished I don't think I've ever heard that before. I rage finished a book. 
I was so mad because I'd sunk so much time into the trilogy. Like by the time I was like, it has to get better, right? Like it has to get better. I was only in it for like these two character, like this character ship that I had. And I was like, they have to get together in the end. And in the end, they didn't end up being separated by like time traveling. It never happened. It never happened. It never happened. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about that situation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate to hate on other authors, but Claire, like the other Claire, like what's going on? <laughs> what, what's no, going on with this trilogy? No, it makes sense. What about, um, what is your favorite way to read? Like hardcover, ebook? Um, actually probably paperback. Like if I had to choose between hardcover and paperback, like I like having the physical book, but I like paperbacks because they're so flexible. And I'm one of those people that cracks the spines. Like I, I, I destroy my books. So I'm a spine cracker as well. I, I tell people when people are like, I'm going to lend you this book. I'm like, I'm going to end up taking that book in the bathtub and I'm going to crack its spine. Do you want to lend me this book? Yeah. And, and I that is your, full disclosure, if you're going to give me a, a paperback book, that's what's going to happen with it. Yeah. Um, what about your favorite um, uh, book to TV show or movie? Like you think they did a really good job with it. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Witcher, I think, is the best written to visual adaptation I've seen. Because that was a series of short stories and Polish short stories from the 1980s. And that became the Witcher franchise that we now know it. Yeah. No, I, okay. What about the opposite? Where did they go horribly fucking wrong with what they did? Which one scarred you the most? Yeah, I don't know if it's more of the plot or more of the adaptation, but um, Atonement with Ewan McGregor, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like I love Kira Knightley, but it just, it got weird. I don't think I've seen that, but I believe you. Um, what author would you like to meet and sit down and have lunch with dead or alive? Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Wow. When they have lunch with you, they will be in a living type form and not a zombie. But yeah, yeah. we had to clarify that a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. They will I, not I be covered in the in the in the dirt of their grave. I mean, we kind of have to like understand what type of zombie we're talking about, though. Like, do they have no, no zombies, regular, normal people brought to life for one day to eat lunch with you, Claire? A warm body zombie at the end. How about that? <laughs> um, I'd love to talk to Einstein, honestly. Um, I, I've read some of his less mathematical writings, and I think he like his theories are absolutely fascinating. Very cool. What about your comfort book? What book do you like to reread all the time? Um, sometimes not our favorite book. Sometimes they're they're very different. I'm actually not really one that rereads things. What? Oh. Yeah. Um, I rarely reread books. Um, I mean, it would probably have to be the, the favorite book that I mentioned at the beginning, Another Roadside Attraction. And the life of a woodpecker like those are two tom robbins books that i've read multiple times but like i've only read them maybe two or three it's not like i have books that i read over and over and over again so you don't have that book that you read every year no i have tv shows but i don't have Ooh, what is the tv show that you watch every year uh buffy <laughs> yeah you're done we're watching buffy your best, so friend. your best friend is right here 
Like I've literally seen Buffy all the way through maybe a dozen times. Like we're we're in an Airbnb and she's put me in the nook under the TV. And I'm like, are you watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer? She goes, yeah, shut up. And she's like, I don't remember this episode. I said, this is the episode where, where Xander turns into Xena, a hyena, because I remember it very clearly. And she's like, nah, and then sure as shit, it starts to unfold. She's just like, how the fuck did you remember this episode and not me? You're not even a fan. And she's like, she's in, I got in trouble. That was Claire. the reason I put her in the nook under the TV, just for the record, because yeah. things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffy and Critical Role are my two shows that I watch over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. There, are, I, there are definitely series that I love to rewatch. I, I rewatch Shit's Creek. That's one of my favorites to rewatch. Absolutely love that show. Fold the cheese, Erica. Fold the cheese. Fold in the cheese. Somebody, do I fold the little broken pieces? I mean, some of that script was just fucking brilliant. The same is true with the Buffy. That I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize there's a lot around Goss Wheaton, and I, I'm not even going down yeah, that entire path. Yeah. But that show did things like. Um, they had a lesbian on the show, which was not a thing on teen drama shows, you know, and like they had a bunch of stuff that was a female lead that kicked ass that didn't really have to have a boyfriend. And yeah, I kind of count out season six because I'm, I, I don't understand fucking writing on season six of that particular show. But I think it's um, one show that had a lot of stuff that I don't, I think now when people look at it, they don't realize how how different it was. It was groundbreaking um, at the time. Groundbreaking. And she also points out that it would not work because cell phones. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm everyone was lost and they couldn't get a hold of them. Yeah, it's a special moment in time. It's a special moment in time for sure. Well, they spent most of the time going, I'm gonna go look for them. If you watch that show back to back, the amount of like you could create a drinking game called I'm gonna go find this person. You'd be drunk in 2.5 fucking seconds. I'm going to go find that. I'm going to go look for Xander. I'm going to go find Buffy. I'm going to, you know. And then somehow between wherever, and I don't understand the layout of this town. Right, right, right. All the time. Um, But somewhere between leaving the house and whatever, big scary monster happens to show up just for them. Yeah. And then there are later episodes where they're driving for like, how long will it take to get there? Like an hour. Like, what? I think the whole of Sunnydale is coming out. What are you watching our last season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's definitely a moment in time for sure, and it's I, I haven't seen it replicated anywhere else, like to the extent that it was that. It, okay. What is more culturally significant, the Renaissance or Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> I think I think the Renaissance fairs have definitely changed what the Renaissance was. <laughs> I know that human chess match. Let's do it. Um, okay. Uh, next question, Bao. Oh, oh, I'm asking. What is your favorite? Do, do you have reference books that you like to go to when you write? Um, the Thesaurus is my best friend. Like thesaurus.com. It's Bay. We we have a long term relationship. It's it's very deep. Um, but I also have a gem book that I actually reference quite often because I use a lot of gem symbology for the goddesses and god- gods for their temples and crowns and decor. And so I actually have a gem reference book that I look at a lot. Like, what are all the red gems available? What are all the teal gems available? 
I must confess oh. that I just searched up sexual meanings with gemstones and tiger's eye is supposed to increase your your chance for a threesome. Did you guys know that? Tiger's eye? All right. I'm All right. <laughs> Did everyone note that right now? Well, I'm not even gonna ask. I don't <laughs> even wanna know why that came up as a thing. I had I, to using, you know it's bad when you have to use incognito on Chrome. <laughs> oh yeah. I had a dream about a month ago that my landlord wanted to evict me because of my Google search history. <laughs> and I literally like panicked in the dream, woke myself up, like my heart was pounding while I was <laughs> reading your history. That. Yeah. And like my brain immediately went, but I'm a writer. I'm a writer. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be okay. <laughs> See, I don't bother using, knowing how computers work, the only time I use incognito mode is to look up plane fares when I'm trying oh, yes. to, like, Same. that I've already Googled before, or, you know, because it remembers when you Googled it. But other than that, like, these idiots that use incognito mode, like, that's going to save them if something happens. Yeah, there's there's a case right now know where they did that. Today. Yeah, I love the little reminder that pops up. Like, did you know that incognito isn't really incognito? <laughs> yeah, no, there's a there's a current gentleman on, on trial for murder who used incognito mode to look up, will a hacksaw dismember a body? His wife is missing, by the way. He should have written a horrible, horrible. Found out. Found out. Yeah, yeah. no, no, idiots. Found it out. Okay, if you could be any mythical or fantastical creature what would you be oh man i think i'd love to be a mermaid oh i really like mermaid. water i really like i mean i'm a double pisces i've got a pisces sun and moon so like water is my shit so what kind of mermaid though like from what pantheon uh i mean i uh, do you have a categorization system that you're referring to or are you talking well, like about if you look at a harry potter mermaid those are very different mermaids than i see the little okay. fucking mermaid okay. and, or, or yeah, the, the water mermaids and the, the river mermaids and like romanian slavic sure. Sure. Okay, no, I wasn't going there. <laughs> that's where my brain goes. Going. yeah i was you like, mean, it's all about, books like, are on the shelf damn it <laughs> i was like are we talking like ocean v river or are we talking like blue v red um, no, I was talking more like the monstrous kind of mermaids, I, the I, siren I kind yeah. of mermaids, and yeah. then the, the cutesy pootsy mermaids, you know? Yeah, well, there's this series that I read last year. I'm trying to remember the author's name, but it's Skin of the Sea. Natasha Bowen is the author, and she does African mythology-influenced fantasy romance um, that's focused around mermaids. And her version of mermaids are basically like messengers of the gods. Like they, they, they do certain acts. Like when people die at sea, they, they ferry their bodies to the afterlife kind of thing. And the way that she describes mermaids in that series, I just think is, is so cool. Because they can like regrow their legs and walk on the ground if they want to, but like, they eventually wear out and have to reseek water at a certain point in time. See, Val, did you know about that? Now you have to go read that because you didn't know about that. No, you have to go read that. I've not done a full African mythology dive. You, so you're, good. Well, like, now you're going to have to. You're about to write an entire set of three books about. No, I have to finish the one, the eight that I have. 
I have to finish the Cedric series. I have to finish the, the, the urban legend cryptid eroticas. That's what I'm talking about, you weirdo. <laughs> Literally why we can't have nice things. Okay, what's your favorite weird food combination? Weird food combination. Mustard um, pickles and ice cream. Why are you listing off pregnancy food now? Because that's the first thing people think about. Yeah, I mean, I something that's weird that I like to eat is I like to eat avocados for breakfast, just like a straight up avocado with lemon pepper on top. And that's a perfect breakfast for me is just an avocado with lemon pepper. With lemon pepper on it. Mm-hmm. Have you, do you know the spice? I the lemon lemon pepper. pepper. Oh, I know the spice. I, I, I had way too many... <clears throat> chickens in my past with lemon mm-hmm. pepper on them oh. so i can't really do lemon pepper because i feel like i've lemon peppered mm-hmm. myself to death sure yeah on avocado it's delicious just like slice open an avocado sprinkle lemon pepper on top it's, it's equivalent to me like doing sounds pretty healthy okay what about um anytime you want to jump in with actual questions val you could oh I, okay i thought you were interrupting as a reader as a reader what is your favorite trope to to pick out? I love a good redemption arc. Like redemption arcs just get me. Like give me a bad boy that's secretly emotional and he has like a coming to Jesus moment and decides to better his ways. Like Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Darcy, like give me that every day, please. <laughs> um, let's see. What else can I ask? Um what has been the most effective uh, way to reach uh, readers for you? Has it been a certain social media channel? Has it been your newsletter or some other means? Interesting. Um, I can't really track the sales that happen necessarily of my books, but anecdotally, I can say that networking has been by far the most effective sales channel for me. What's your favorite way to network? Um, women's business networking groups are actually my favorite. There's one called the F-Bomb Breakfast Club. I think you guys would like it if you like (laughs) F-Bombs. And it's basically waking up at fucking early in the morning on the first fucking Friday of the month. And everyone just gets together and talk shop and, you know, wear their big boss girl panties and get shit done. That's very cool. Um, Um, Go ahead. You you're you seem to be on a roll. I be oh look, she's allowing me to do a thing. That's what just happened. Just so you know. <laughs> I don't think it's the, gonna go well, but go ahead. Because you've mentioned if if you guys were listening to the previous podcast that she mentioned music and playlists. What mm-hmm. is your writing ritual when you get down to into your chair? Do you have to have a certain snack food, a certain drink, have to do certain things? Certain things have to be taken care of before you can start. What is your writing ritual to get into the mode? Yeah, yeah. So I call it my writing nest. And I basically have to like surround myself with everything that I will need for the next five hours. So that includes three different types of water. Like I like still water, sparkling water, and tea. So I have three different types of water and I have seaweed snacks. I love seaweed snacks. Because they're salty and they give me that salty. Nobody heard me. They just don't know it yet. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I have to have chocolate as well. So I have to have sweet and salty with all of my waters and I have to have my vape pen nearby. And I have like a pillow and a lap blanket that I use. And so I have to like turn on the TV, put on the playlist, gather my snacks, sit down and create my little nest. (laughs) Love it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, what, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know. That was what, a Erica, Where's the question? Where's the question? It's where? Why? Why? The yeah. brain stopped working. Um, <laughs> no. So you, what has been, um, and when, when you're looking at uh, your, like, what is your Achilles heel? What is something that you feel like you run into this problem when you're writing? Specifically when writing, um, I mean, Impatience is always my Achilles heel, but I think in writing, I have to make sure that I'm not overstretching myself with too many projects. Like I've learned that lesson too many times in the past as a creative, I'm very apt to pick up a lot of different, I because I my brain generates ideas all the time, every day, there's no stopping it. So I've gotten really intentional about what ideas I follow because I've, if I follow all of them, I, I end up just running around like a chicken with my head cut off and not able to like devote any time to any of them. So I have to, I have actually been practicing like training myself to say no to myself. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, like, no, Claire. How do, you, how do you track your characters talking to you? Um, I just let it happen in my brain. Um, like when I'm doing dialogue, I have to use those songs sometimes to sink into their points of view, but, um, it's pretty much just me imagining scenarios in my brain for battle scenes in particular. I actually use diagrams and little pieces and move them around the battlefields when I'm tracking battles, like almost like I'm playing D and D with myself. Interesting. Okay. Now? Oh, my turn again. I'm allowed to ask more questions. I'm desperately um, trying to get you to do this, but we'll see. Okay. 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 Um, what was your favorite prop part of self-publishing? Like after you went through the process and the anxiety has melted away and the thing is done, looking back on it, which part did you feel was your favorite part about the process that you don't think you could have gotten out of traditional side? Interesting. I think I was just having such creative freedom over what the book actually ended up looking like. Like I was very pleased with the physical iteration of the book. Like once it was in my hands and I really, the self-publishing process let me be so hands-on with that. Like I chose the layout. I chose the cover designer. I chose how all these pieces came together into that physical object. Whereas with traditional publishing, that's more out of my hand. I love it. Love it. Um, let's see. Are you a plotter or a pantser or a planter? Planter. I'm solidly in the middle. Like I actually write as I go. I don't like write out outlines, but I do plot out everything in my head. So one of my maladaptive daydreaming habits is to have scenarios in my head as I fall asleep every night. 
And that's where I do most of my book planning is like, I just imagine out each of the plot scenarios. And so by the time I sit down to write it, I don't have to be like, all right, in this chapter, this is going to happen. It's already in my brain. So with that in mind, do the characters write the story or do you write the story? It's collaborative. (laughs) I I would say it's a team effort. Like it's not one or the other. You use that up. (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not one or the other honestly like I come up with the scenarios I come up with like the play but the actors can improv and I I honestly encourage that I mean that's why I include those aspects of the D&D game in the novel as well is because I like having that bit of unexpectedness that if I planned each detail out myself as like the master puppeteer of everything, then it wouldn't be as faceted. What would you say um, after DMing games um, would be what you, let me rephrase this because drunk, drunk Val is struggling with the thought. I was like, where are you going with that? As a D, you know, now that you've DMed a game, what have you learned as a DM that has aided you in telling your stories as a writer now? Oh, I mean, you doing before. What? Honestly, like D&D has influenced my writing styles so much, like especially Matt Mercer when it comes to D&D and hearing him talk <coughs> about how you develop a world, how you build a world in the fantasy realm, like his concept of starting with the town and then building from there absolutely impacted the way that I write because I use D&D mechanics in battle. I use um, like hit point mechanics in battle. Like there's all these different D&D structures that help me think about all of the different aspects of the world as well. Like, do they have cars? One of my famous questions when it comes to fantasy world building is, do they wear underwear and what is it called? (laughs) I love that piece of advice. Because it's all kinds of things in all kinds of different worlds, like bloomers, panties, under things, small things, britches. Like, what do you call underwear? Yeah, like, do they even wear underwear? And it's like, those kind of details make your fantasy world real to the reader. Yeah. So D&D has influenced my writing in so many different ways in, in how to build 3D worlds, not just 2D. Was there an author that you used to read heavily that you also feel has influenced your writing or how you tell stories? Um, one author that I'm watching very, very closely right now is Danielle L. Jensen. Um, she, I specifically came across her with her Dark Shores series. It's unfinished at the moment. I think she's written four so far, three, mm-hmm. four, something like that. And she also did a um, previous series, but the way that she builds her worlds, I love the way that she doesn't let descriptions take over the entire page. Like, you know, in Russian literature, they spend like five pages describing a cabinet like a lot of fantasy writing can be like that. Like they're describing the the setting and it takes so long for like to describe the political structures, to describe the the factions, the conflicts that are going on, 
the the world economic systems and things like that, but it really takes a skilled writer to be able to condense that information in a way that's still accessible to the reader. So they don't get overwhelmed by all that information, but they still don't have to spend 10 pages on description. They, they don't need the increments and things, but in a conversation between an off, uh, between a main character and a sub-character, you can instantly establish how the main character feels about their world and those things. I talk about that. I'm like, you're losing reader immersion and you could have done this in a more engaging way. Totally. Like, and I think that's that comes with how we write now, right? Because back in the 1800s, there was a lot of, you need to establish all these fantastical and explain yourself because fantasy writers during Tolkien's time still had to kind of like uh, basically say, hey, this is not children's literature. Yeah. I'm telling a very adult story here. Yeah. And people were like, ah, you have elves. Yeah. You know, we don't have to defend ourselves anymore to our readerships and, and society. Mm -hmm. And I think that's opened up a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. Very true. Okay, I've got your final question, Claire. Yeah, I'm ready. See okay. how I did that to you, Val? I'm going to do the final question. Ooh, we flipped it. <gasps> do it. Just wait for her to calm down for a couple <laughs> seconds here, and then we can do it. Um, who would you cast as your, the lead character of uh, book one and book two? I really want Jensen Ackles as the masculine main character of the book. For the feminine, I might go with, if I could have a mix between like Xena, the warrior princess, you know, the actress that plays her. Oh Lucy yeah, Lu Lucy Lawless. Yeah, oh, and like Catherine Zeta-Jones. Could okay. I have like a mix between them? <laughs> Your, it's your book so you can do whatever you want can i create a hybrid human specifically to play this role in the book the movie adaptation so gal gadot would that fall between a little can i get a government grant for that yeah we'll we'll work on that we'll, we'll submit we'll let you know how that goes i'll find someone okay do not trust drunk val to do any of that anyway shameless self-promotion Five percent. This is bad. I know. Snow comes. I'm aware. It's okay. You are just perfect, just the way you are. Okay, we're gonna let Claire do her shameless self promotion now. So shush it, Claire. Do it. <laughs> Love in the face of death by Claire E. Jones on all the major platforms: Barnes and Noble, Goodreads, Amazon. You got it. And Claire Joyance for all of my links. So C L A I R J O Y. A-N-C-E, clairvoyance with a J, dot com, and all the socials. Very cool. Thank you so much for being on this podcast and enduring Valerie. So. <laughs> Drunk Val, who, I mean, has not, who has not appeared on a podcast in like three podcasts from now. So people are going to be like rejoicing and cringing at the same time. Remember, this is what Drunk Val is like. Stop waving your hand in front of your face. I love you so much. I mean, I feel blessed by the Bacchanal that this works. You, 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 you really should. Anyway, Claire, it's been amazing to have you guys. This has been Drinking with Authors, the Drunk Val Literary Briefs edition. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, leave Here. us a comment, leave us a review. We'd love to hear it. And we will see you next time. Hey,
listeners, you know me, Eric Lance, you're just listening to me in the podcast that you have, but guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia, and we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about, and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform or choice, or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. 